All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Grind Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the 300 PRC. Is it legit or is it overhyped? But first, before we get started, uh, we want to thank Basemap, uh, sponsor of the podcast. Offline maps, 3D hunting maps with the ability to transfer all your waypoints from any existing software you may have on X, HuntWise, whatever you're using now. Switch over to Basemap, use the Muley Freak code, save yourself 20%, basemap.com forward slash Muley Freak. Now, I want to introduce our guest that you already know about. It's probably one of your favorite podcast series that we've done. And it's Seth Swerzik, the whiz kid from Hornady. Welcome, Seth. Welcome back. Hey, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on again. I, I really look forward to doing these with you. Yeah, awesome. And you you kind of you kind of switched roles there at uh, Hornady. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, we can touch on that for sure. So uh, yeah, I've been with uh, Hornady. This is I'm well into my eighth year now, and uh, I was doing ballistic engineering, which was a dream job, right? You know, like right. 16 year old Seth was freaking out when uh, when when the day it was official that wow, I get to do ballistics for Hornady. Uh, <laughs> really, a, an outstanding. Uh, job. I got to work with some of the coolest people and the company really invested in teaching me. Uh, and I got to learn a lot of cool things from a lot of great people. And there was a, an opportunity in the marketing department. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it was a growth opportunity and it was pretty tempting, even though I loved what I was doing in ballistics. And so, you know, talked to my wife and, and some other mentors of mine and searched the soul, if you will, and uh, made the decision. So now I've completely separated from the technical role that I was doing. And now I'm the uh, marketing communications manager. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. That means that you now don't have to take time out of your day to do these podcasts, but it's part of your job. It, no, yeah, no doubt. Like uh, it's it's for sure. It's they're scheduled and I'm, I'm happy to do them. And I'm excited to do them. And it's been a pretty fun transition here the last 30, maybe 45 days or so. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thanks again. Yeah. So, man, we're both big fans of the 300 PRC, and there's a lot of people squawking about the 300 PRC right now. Is it legit? Is it overhyped? How's it compared to the 300 Win Mac? Should I get the 300 sure. PRC or the Norma? Oh, yeah. You know, all, so, all viable questions. All viable questions. So, let's talk about it. What is the 300 PRC? Yeah. Let me, we'll, we'll step back in time a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'll start off with what the 300 PRC initially was and how it came to be because you know before we get into the the big long discussion of how it compares to other calibers and is it overhyped and that kind of thing um, because it's not a reinvention of the wheel you know you know what i mean it's there's a lot of merit to a lot of great cartridges but the 300 prc really assembles a whole bunch of little things that make it great but the history goes back to uh, kind of mid 2000s and the assistant director of engineering currently his name's joe Thielen. at the time he was just a, a project engineer for us and he was a bench rest competitor and a very good one mm -hmm. and uh him and dave tooley and a lot of folks will know the name dave tooley is a gunsmith um, they wanted a cartridge that was less expensive because the cartridges they were shooting they were buying brass from who knows but it was like two two dollars and fifty cents a stick and it was just too expensive so we had the 375 Ruger, which uh -huh. was a, a pretty popular African cartridge for us. And uh, Joe looked at it from an engineering standpoint, did some calcs and designed a chamber. And they made a, what they called at the time, the 30 boo-boo, uh, which was essentially just the 375 Ruger neck down. And the only purpose for it was for them to launch really efficient, heavy 30 cal bullets for heavy gun in bench rest. Interesting. And that's really where that cartridge lived for for quite a while, to be honest with you. And it performed really well for them. Wow. So so they wanted something to shoot bench off of. And uh, at, at what point did someone say, hey, this would be good for hunting? Well, it didn't take long because uh, Joe Thielen, like a, a, a great bench rest shooter, also a great hunter. Right. Uh, he spends a lot of time afield every year. And it didn't take him long to, to want to build a hunting rifle. So he got, you know, ordered a barrel hunting contour, put together a gun. So he was, him and Dave Tooley were kind of the first ones to use it for hunting. And it was used internally and it never really had a name. It was just kind of a thing, 3375 or 30 boo boo or whatever they called it. But it wasn't until a few years ago, we're looking about 2017 timeframe, you know, give or take a year or so where there was kind of a shift in gears. And we were working with a, a specialized group within the Department of Defense, and they kind of asked us, what do you guys think? What What do you guys think would be a better solution to the problems we're, we're facing in 
extreme range engagements. So they wanted to be able to engage targets out to you know 2,000 yards, maybe 2,500 yards, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And the 338 Lapua was good option, but not great. And then they were introducing the 300 Norma, which turned out to be a good option, but not so great. And uh, the the answer was, well, we kind of got a, a cartridge that would really work well for you if you wanted to try it out. And so really, we didn't force that on anyone. It was just kind of a you know, we think this is a better answer and we'll talk yeah. about why it's a better answer okay. uh, to those two cartridges, but that's really how it started out. And it, it took off from there. And obviously we introduced it commercially and it, it did really well there. And it's just a, a fun cartridge to shoot. If anybody is interested in shooting things far away, it makes it easy. It's almost, you know, it's almost not fair sometimes. Gotcha. Okay. So a couple questions off of that. Now, mm-hmm. they were shooting bench. So what were some of the immediate things they discovered that was, aha, uh-huh. you know, was it velocity? Was it was it groups? Was it? So mainly the, the, the quote unquote ahas were nothing super groundbreaking, um, okay. but it allowed them some things that other cartridges wouldn't like uh, head spacing off the shoulder, which you don't get with the 300 Win Mag. Now, I guess we should preface this whole podcast by saying when we're doing comparisons, it's important that we compare apples to apples, obviously. And as a hand loader, much of what we're going to talk about won't apply to you in the same way. If you and I both went and bought the exact same car off the dealership floor, and then you bolted on a bunch of high performance parts, and then we went and raced them, you know, your, yours is obvious. You can, you can tune yours to do what you want it to do. Um, So in this world, you know, we're talking SAMI standards, the standards that gun manufacturers and ammo manufacturers have to conform to. And as hand loaders, you don't have to conform to anything. You know, if, if you're not blowing your gun up, then, you know, for the most part, you're you're going to run with it. So if factory to factory, factory ammo and, and rifles and such, that's kind of what we need to specifically focus on. Uh, because, again, you can't compare other cartridges to this if you're hand loading for the other. So I say that like the belt on the 300 Win Mag, it headspaces off the belt. So there's a lot of growth in the shoulder area. And so this cartridge has no belt, headspaces off the shoulder. Um, Cartridges that have a super big volume of case capacity where you can put a ton of powder in there. If you don't fill that case with powder, sometimes they become position sensitive, where if the powder is forward in the case or rear in the case or troughted in the case, um, that can affect your extreme spread and velocity, which impacts your groups downrange. So for for the most part, what they discovered as why this worked for them in the bench rest world was because it was efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the propellants that they had at those times in the mid-2000s, you could get great case fill, get good standard deviations, and you weren't hot rotting it. You know, this cartridge is not the fastest trip down the drag strip, but it lets these right. super efficient bullets do all the talking. It gets them out at a good velocity and a consistent velocity, which is most important. And then it lets the the low drag and the sleek sexiness of those really high BC bullets, it lets the bullet do the talking. And gotcha. that's why it worked for them so well in Ventrest. Yeah. And I'm guessing too. So explain to the listeners what case fill is. Sure. So you've got a cartridge case and it's got a particular size. Now in the gunpowder world, we only have so many burn rates of gunpowder. And there are certain burn speeds of powder that you have to use with certain size cartridges and bore diameters. And how much gunpowder you put in that case, it would be case fill. So how full is your case? And typically with these large Magnum cartridges, if you have low case fill, of slow burning powder, then you get erratic muzzle velocities when you start moving the case. So if you're shooting at a steep uphill angle and all the powder is settled down into the case, and then if you shot an extremely downhill angle and all that powder is forward in the case, that will impact your muzzle velocity. You will have a much larger window of expected muzzle velocities because of that low case fill with slow burning powder. And again, the hand loader might be able to use faster burning powder and have less position sensitivity because of case fill. But uh, with factory ammo, slower burning powder is going to fill the case and it's going to run at lower pressure because we have to worry about pressure limits. So um, that's how the the case fill thing kind of works. Gotcha. Okay. So where were we? <laughs> we were just talking about why the 300 PRC, was there any like aha things that they discovered in the bench rest that made it great? And and really, it was a whole bunch of little things that right. made it 
just a little bit better. And it took advantage of those really heavy high BC bullets. And then when we introduced this cartridge, you know, what problems did it solve? And there are a whole bunch of little problems, but they solved a lot of them. And that's what what uh, really created the 300 PRC initial popularity. Uh, and we can go over those little things if you want, because um, like I said, it wasn't a, a huge, amazing reinvention of something. It just took the little things that were wrong with what was already existing and mm-hmm. just tweaked them a little bit just gotcha. to make them right. So at what point, now you obviously the, the Department of Defense, I believe it was, expressed interest mm-hmm. in, uh, in a cartridge that could in- engage targets at long distances and facilitate that. So at mm-hmm. what point were you like, man, we, we should bring this to market? Uh, about the same time, really. Okay. Uh, there was there was enough the we talked about this on our original little podcast series that the average shooter today has enough technology and expendable income that they're shooting distances that you know we wouldn't have been doing ten years ago and there was kind of a hole in the market in big heavy thirty cal uh, cartridges that were again factory ammo that solved problems because previous you had three hundred Win Mag three hundred Norma was gaining popularity, the 300 rum, the 30 Nosler, um, for the most part, those are the ones that people wanted, but those all had one or two little shortcomings, uh, that the 300 PRC solved. Okay. So what solutions does it solve? You're saying that it just does things a little bit better than, uh, most cartridges. Yep. And that, and really what it does. So against the, the 300 wind mag is the lowest hanging fruit in regards to 30 cal magnums. That cartridge introduced by Winchester in 1963, it's been a staple ever since then. And it has plenty of merit. But what it does have is a belt instead of a headspace on the shoulder. Now, the belt in and of itself isn't negative per se. It's a reliable means for headspace. But the distance that the shoulder can swell and fill in the chamber is is huge. I forget the exact number, but it's like 15 or 20 thousandths of an inch that that shoulder can move forward on a min case to a maximum chamber. Um, so it swells and it really stretches forward. And when you, when brass is filling the chamber and it can swell that far, uh, it starts to uh, play with some things. Like it can, it can rob some velocity from you. It's, it's generally not as accurate because that case has so much room where it can be crooked in that chamber. So the first thing it did is it got rid of the belt off the 300 wind mag. Gotcha. Uh, the next thing was overall length. So that's that's another one that just that really limits a lot of these potentially great cartridges. So you want that bullet to be seated such that it doesn't interfere with your case capacity and that you know it's it's out far enough that you are not deep into your case body. Um, so a lot of the times we like to put the bullet seated so that the bearing surface boat tail junction is right at the neck shoulder junction. That way you're using all that case capacity, but the bullet still has plenty of support from the neck. Uh, And then when you design the chamber around that, uh, it really hands off into that rifling nice and straight. And that's critical for accuracy. So the 300 Win Mag, its overall length is limited to 3.340. So that's pretty short. And that overall length is also shared by the 30 Nosler. Okay. 3.340. Yep. And so the Win Mag and the Nosler and the 300 PRC all have very similar case sizes, but the 300 PRC has an overall length of 3.7. Uh-huh. So, you know, nearly 400 thousandths of an inch, you know, that's almost half an inch of bullet can be seated out of the case and get that out of the powder column. So, and what's that going to do? That's going to improve accuracy. That's going to help the flight of the bullet. It's just going to make it more efficient. It's going to be efficient in that you're not robbing your case capacity. So you can use different propellants. So more powder, different kinds of powder. Yeah, more powder. And there's been some developments in propellant technology right around that time that we introduced this cartridge that really allowed it to be super successful. And then again, when we designed the chamber, the same time we designed the cartridge, that bullet seated out further, has a nice tight throat. So it can't wiggle around too much as it hands off into the rifling. It's going to be nice and straight. And a straight, a bullet that enters straight, exits straight. And a bullet that enters consistently straight will shoot consistently accurate, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes total sense. So that was the two big things was it got rid of the belt and it solved the overall length problem that had curtailed some of these uh, other cartridges. And then last, or not lastly, but another thing was it's a standard magnum. So 
when you look at the case head where the primer is and it's stamped Hornady 300 PRC, the diameter of that case head is 0.532. And that is the standard Magnum diameter. So you'll see that with seven mag, 300 wind mag, 30 nozzler, uh, 300 rum. Uh, it has that standard Magnum. And you know this, there are tons of seven mags and 300 wind mags out there. So there's a lot of actions that have a standard Magnum bolt head right. or bolt face. The 300 Norma is a 0.588 diameter case head. So that's a Lapua size case head. So there are much fewer action makers that make a Lapua sized bolt face. Right. So the, the using that giant bolt face kind of limited who could all chamber a gun. Because right. not everybody made a Lapua size bolt. So this is just a standard Magnum case head then? Standard Magnum case head. And that way, that way we tried to make it easy so that a huge amount of gun manufacturers could chamber this without having to redesign their whole bolt, uh, read, read, maybe you know, maybe redesign an action to allow for a Lapua size case head. So again, that's what separated it. One of the things that separated it from the 300 Norma mag. And another thing we did that was huge, well, not necessarily, well, it was pretty big is the, the case volume thing. It was one, but the twist rate. That That's another thing that custom gun builders and people that build guns, they don't have to worry about twist rate because they didn't order a barrel with whatever twist rate they want. The 30 Nosler, the 300 Wind Mag, the 300 Rum, those are all one in 10 inch twists, which that's been the same since 1963 when the Wind Mag was invented. So although it's fast enough to stabilize most bullets, mm-hmm. if we really want to take advantage of extreme range accuracy and really low drag bullets that are really heavy and long, we need a little bit faster twist rate. So the 300 PRC, we went with eight and a half. So we've got an eight and a half inch twist uh, with the 300 PRC. That'll stabilize anything all the way up to our 250 grain A tip. 250 grain A tip, huh? Yeah, that'll that's a juggernaut of a bullet. So yeah, would we, a nine twist got, stabilize that nine twist barrel. Yeah, it would. Um, a nine twist would stabilize that. The benefit that we've seen with fast faster twists, not ridiculously fast, but faster twists across the board is that the bullets on a a little bit more of a rigid spin axis, and it tends to shoot better at really long ranges. Um, So compared to an an eight and a half to a 10, that more rigid spin axis, because the bullet's spinning faster, will help it at long range and transonically. That's awesome. So that was the twist rate thing. That was pretty big. Yeah. Okay. So what's the standard case, Ed? Will you repeat that real quick? You said you mentioned the Magnum's 0.588. Yep. So like a standard 30-06 is 0.473. And there's a huge family of cases on a standard or a number one or a 473 bolt head. They're all kind of, and all those names kind of mean the same thing, like 6.5 Creedmoor, 308 Winchester, 30-06. And any cartridge off of those cases is going to have a standard number one case head. Okay. And then stepping up from that, the standard Magnum is 0.532. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to hear you say that again. So people could kind of understand that. Yep. And again, the Lapua and the Norma is 588. 588. Quite a bit larger. Yeah. Quite a bit larger. So so this is helping folks, specifically gunsmiths, just because they they can, if they don't do a ton of Lapua type guns, they have all the equipment to to build a Magnum in the 300 PRC, correct? So that, yeah, that made it more available. So it did. To me, this kind of seems a little bit like marketing. <laughs> like you guys oh, yeah. thought about that. Like, hey, how can we get more? Of this 300 PRC is awesome. Okay, how can we get more of these out there? Aha, uh-huh. we're going to make it in a standard Magnum. That way it's going to be more available and more guys can build them. Absolutely. And, and another part of that equation that we didn't talk about, and it's a small part of the equation, but uh, I've experienced this doing ballistics and doing all bunch of testing on this stuff you you know there's a formula for rifle recoil and how fast the bullet launches and how much powder it took to launch that bullet at that speed are parts of that equation and the 300 prc compared to something like 300 norma is going to have less recoil certainly less than a 338 lapua so you know when you think about going to a extreme distance match an elr match and you've got to shoot you're going to shoot 100 rounds that day Shooting 300, you know, 100 rounds of 338 Lapua is like getting in a car wreck sometimes. Uh, and yeah. a, a 300 PRC, you could lay down and shoot that rifle all day, especially right. with a muzzle brake or a suppressor. So that's another benefit to having that smaller case size than a Lapua sized case because it's got less powder in it 
and uh, it's achieving similar velocities uh, to all of these other cartridges. So it has a little bit less recoil, which I know that's uh, subjective, but it, it is a difference and, and I've experienced it and it's a joy to shoot in comparison to a Lapua. Right. No, it's a, it's, it's definitely a well-balanced cartridge all the way around. I think that's, that's one way of putting it, you know, obviously depending on how you build the rifle, if you're going to do a custom rifle, um, it, it's going to dictate recoil also, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I know you've got a bunch of guns built by Travis Stevens and, and his guns are awesome they're gorgeous and he uses high quality stocks and i know you use muzzle brakes and there's a lot to building the rifle to handle the recoil as well as the shooter but uh there's a difference yeah there's a difference but it's interesting that you that that the cartridge was optimized for recoil too you don't hear that very often right sure you know that that's yeah there's something to be said there that it's shootable there's ballistically are you giving up a little bit in a 338 Lapua, maybe on the energy side of things, you're giving up a little bit, but you can shoot it. You can practice with it. Uh, ammo is cheaper. Um, there's more guns available. There's just a lot of lot of merit to the 300 PRC in that regard. Gotcha. So, what's the adoption rate from factory manufacturers on this? Like the Brownings, the the Savages of the world. Yeah, we're getting you know Ruger. Browning, yeah, Savage. There's there's a ton of manufacturers jumping on board, which is was you know really was the goal is how can we make this thing easy enough for everybody to to build? And it wasn't the because of our overall length, that 3.7 inch overall length is something that has never been done before. So it took a little while for some uh, magazine restrictions to get figured out. But you know, Accuracy International, Barrett, Bergara makes a great rifle. Christensen Arms took it. Fierce firearms, and then, and then obviously the custom world or semi-custom world, Gunworks, GA Precision, Hill Country Rifles, uh, HS Precision, uh, Proof Research. I mean, it's getting to be a pretty darn big list of who's uh, chambering guns for this thing. That's awesome. What do you want to uh, talk about next here, Seth? Caliber sure. conspira- uh, the, comparisons? Yeah, I think we should because, you know, we, we, we hit the wave tops on a lot of, of things here, and there's some something with – the pressure that ammo operates in that we didn't talk about that will also connect the dots of how this compares to other calibers. Cause that's another thing when I mentioned previous that we really have to compare factory to factory because a hand loader is, you know, practically a wizard, you know what I mean? They can do whatever they want and within certain, certain constraints. And uh, you could fix a lot of the problems that we talked about that the 300 PRC fixes, you can fix a lot of those with, with hand loading with a custom rifle, sure. but not everybody has that option. Right. Not everyone has the time either. Well, yeah, that's a big one. Or yeah, the, the time, the money, and it's, in, it's kind of intimidating. You know, I, I spoiled because of what I've been able to do for work and, and how the, the understanding I've gotten to get from this, but it can be intimidating for someone who has hunted their whole life to, decide I'm going to build a custom rifle and I'm going to start hand loading because, you know, they've seen their whole life what, what guns can do and how damaging they can be when they, when they hit their intended target. And now I have to create this cartridge and gunpowder and primers and what twist rate and what action and, and, you know, manufacturers have made it really easy for people to do that, but there's still that little bit of hesitation barring entrance because there's unknown factors to it. So yeah, the comparison I'm trying to make is what we did to standardize things. So yeah, we can dive into kind of some specific cartridge comparisons if you want. Yeah. Okay. So the first question I get, or that you're going to get, how does it compare to the 300 Win Mag? So, and this is a perfect example of how we can look at factory to factory, or like what I would call the real world versus hand loading. And I'll kind of double talk, if you will, on what the 300 PRC is can compared to the wind mag and how the wind mag can mitigate these problems with, with a hand load uh, or with a factory or, you know, a custom built rifle. So for sure, the, the 300 PRC compared to the wind mag, the wind mag has roughly 95 grains of water capacity. So what that means is if you put a cartridge case on a scale and you zeroed the scale and you filled it up with water, it would hold about 95 grains of water. Okay. And that's, that's a way to kind of st- compare cartridge volume. Uh, pe- you know, people have been, wildcatters have been doing this for decades on decades. So the 300 Win Mag, 
95 grains about of capacity. And 300 PRC is roughly 97 grains of water capacity. So really not a huge difference in, no, there's really in not. case size. So there's some similarities there. Uh, we talked about the belt. So the 300 Win Mag has that belt. Um, and that is not an optimal way to headspace a cartridge when you're looking for consistency and accuracy. And that ties right into that the 300 Win Mag chamber was designed in 1962 or three. And so it is, for lack of a better term, it's pretty loose. And, the, and, and a loose chamber to cartridge fit just doesn't lend itself to consistent accuracy. Um, so that's one of the problems that the 300 WinMag has that the 300 PRC does not. The 300 PRC, the standard SAMI chamber dimensions are as close to match grade as you would ever need. The throat and the angle and the neck and all of the body dimensions are purposefully matched to a cartridge case. So that's one separation between the WinMag and the, the 300 PRC is the headspace and also just the cartridge and chamber dimensions. Both cartridges are loaded per SAMI to magnum pressures. So the 300 PRC has a maximum allowable pressure of 65,000 pounds of pressure and the 300 WinMag is 64,000 pounds of pressure. So we're right in there. Um, so they're loaded to about the same PSI. The bullets, we talked about overall length, the 300 PRC has got that bullet seated out where it's supposed to be, where the 300 Win Mag has that really short neck, and then you shove a long bullet way down in there to get to that 3.340. So that chews up your powder capacity. It's going to impact your velocity. Uh, and then that short neck is not awesome. Short necks like that generally uh, are avoided because it kind of reduces the grip on the bullet. You have less purchase on the bullet. And then when you seat that bullet so far down there in that really short neck, it can seat in there a little bit more crooked. And you've got a lot of turbulence when that powder's burning, pushing that bullet out, that that bullet can get distorted in its, in its entering in the rifling. So it's entering crooked. Gotcha. Um, so that's, that's uh, never, a, never a good thing. And so the 300 PRC really mitigated everything we just talked about. And then what we just finished talking about previous was twist rate. 300 Win Mag is a standard 10-inch twist. 300 PRC, eight and a half inch twist. So it really took the 300 Win Mag, the 300 PRC basically took the, the Win Mag, the tried and true Win Mag, wiped the sheet of paper clean, and then it started out fresh with a twist rate and overall length, the cartridge chamber geometry, the, the headspace method. It took all of those things that were just little things that hindered the 300 Win Mag and it fixed them. Gotcha. Um, now the, the hand loader, with the 300 Win Mag, he can fix all those. You take a fired case, you can set it up to headspace on the shoulder. You can get a custom chamber and you can seat super heavy long bullets out right where you need them. Um, you get a custom barrel, you can get it whatever twist rate you want. You can fix some of those problems, but you can't go to the store and buy ammo and a factory rifle that's going to work like a 300 PRC will. Gotcha. So that that's a really great way of um, illustrating that, that when you're comparing factory to factory versus and that's how most people are going to run this right fact factory ammo right and you obviously you can hand load the prc but yeah yeah so that's that's going to be a question so if you know what you're doing you can hand load a 300 win mag to perform like a 300 prc okay yes you certainly can yep we're not and yeah as a company we're not shying away from that right but what can you do with hand loading a 300 PRC versus hand loading a 300 Win Mag? Well, you can definitely take things to the next level. You can get velocity that factory ammo is not going to achieve. You can use a wider variety of bullets because right now uh, our two offerings are our 225 ELDM and our 212 ELDX. And uh, that ELD match bullet, I mean, it's a juggernaut, 225 grains. I mean, you can shoot that thing forever. I've, I've engaged steel targets past 2,000 yards with that thing. It's incredible. But uh, that ELD match bullet, as good as it is, maybe you want to shoot one of the A-tips or something like that. And so hand loading, you can obviously take advantage of a much larger bullet offering. Or you've got certain guns other, you know, that you also have in 30 cal, like a 30-06. Or maybe you have a 300 Win Mag and you want to use the same bullet on all of them. So hand loading allows you to take advantage of different bullets. Obviously, you're probably going to get some different velocities. Uh, than the factory ammo is going to achieve. And as always, you know, as good as our factory ammunition is, generally a good hand loader can hold tighter tolerances than we will at the factory because you're 
you're intimate with each individual process on each individual cartridge. So um, there's always meat on the bone if you're going to to do a really good hand load for any cartridge. Gotcha. So with with a hand loading a 300 PRC, you could potentially, I guess you can't really put more powder in there. But well, I guess you could because you could seed the bullet different, and then which would allow for more powder, correct? Yep. Or you could use powders. You know, there are some canister grade propellants that you can buy at the store that we don't use in the factory that may allow you to achieve higher velocity. Gotcha. So that that's an option as well, and that's part of the fun of hand loading is you get to tinker around a little bit, experiment a little bit. Yep. So what 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 about in terms of energy? Mm-hmm. I know what a lot of hunters obviously listen to this podcast. How's that going to help me kill better? How's the 300 PRC going to help me kill better? The big one is accuracy as far as hitting your target goes. Again, the factory ammo in a, you know, and I'm not talking low quality guns. I'm talking just, you know, you buy a Browning X-Bolt with factory uh, precision hunter ammo with, you know, featuring our ELDX at 212 grains. If you do that same thing, 300 PRC and 300 Win Mag, and you bought two of the guns, now Browning makes a fantastic rifle, and they all shoot really well. But by and large, you're going to find that our ammunition to chamber design is going to lend itself to more consistent accuracy. So uh, I think you're going to see, one, it's going to be easier to hit your target because it's just generally more accurate. Uh, like I said, our dimensions in the chamber are as close to match ac- you know, match dimensions as you're going to get. We hold our ELDX bullets to our match standard as well. Uh, and then you're going to launch those bullets at a higher velocity than a 300 Win Mag will. Again, factory to factory. So you're going to have more velocity. That's going to be less wind drift. You're going to be shooting a heavier bullet at higher speeds. You're going to have more energy. So your effective range will go up. At traditional ranges, you're going to have more energy on the target in regards to long range type of uh, hunting scenarios, you're going to have, like I said, less wind drift and more energy. Uh, And everything about that is good. Yeah. Everything about that's good. Less wind drift, more energy on the target, more accurate, meaning you're going to place the bullet in the right spot, a larger percentage of the time, you know? Yep. Yeah. All those things translate to more punch tags, bottom line. Absolutely. And there's an intangible uh, aspect to that as well. Uh, And I talk about this all the time internally with people because there's not a day goes by that I don't talk to somebody about hunting and or shooting matches or something like that. Uh, There's an intangible thing to where uh, you you feel good about what you're doing when you go in the field. And when, when it comes time to flip the switch to, you know, proverbially flip the kill switch, uh, when you're confident, you don't even you don't, you're not even second guessing anything. You know the wind, you know what the gun does, you know how it shoots, and and you feel confident that you can quickly take this animal's life. And that oh, man. that's an amazing feeling when your equipment and and your level of training give you that confidence. I mean, it's it's absolutely a, confidence it's an empowering kills feeling every time. It really does. I played football with a guy. Uh, he was a wide receiver and he was a very talented football player. And he always said, "Look good, feel good, play good." You know, because he took the time to put on all the armbands and do all this stuff. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he played phenomenal. But, you know, I kind of joke about that. But that mentality applies to a lot of things. And in this scenario, if you have good equipment and you trust that equipment and it makes you feel good, the amount of confidence you have in yeah. it, when it comes when it comes time to flip the switch, you don't even have to think about that. It's an intangible thing. Yep. It's hard to, to verbally quantify it. But, uh, yeah, you, you, you spend the money on a good rifle and you're buying – our precision hunter ammo, or you're doing a really good hand load. My gosh, when you get in, when you get in the woods and it's time and, and you don't even have to second guess it after the fact you go, wow, you know, I laid down at this range and I knew exactly what was going to happen. And it happened. That's, that's pretty empowering. Absolutely. And one thing that came to my mind when you were kind of saying that look good, feel good, uh, play good was when I'm that confident and I know my weapon and I know it's going to perform, I'm going to work that much harder to find the game I want to take. I'm going to hike to the top of ridges and investigate new area. And that might mean my output is more like I'm expending more energy physically and doing, but I'm okay doing that because I know if mm-hmm. I can just find that animal, I know I can kill him. So it's, it's interesting yep. that that gives you the motivation and the confidence to even hunt harder, having a weapon that you know will kill. I didn't think of that before, but 
I I know exactly the feeling you're talking about. But it's making sense uh, though, huh? Oh my God. It makes total sense. <laughs> I, I, my, most people I hunt with think I have some sort of like infection or something, because if there is a hill that's even slightly taller than the one I'm glassing from, that's where I'm headed. And it seems to be a curse. But when you have that confidence, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how it is for me. It's like, all I got to do is find that animal and he's done. All I got to do is find him. If I can just put in the work and find him, I, he's done. And that's, that's an intangible that you're speaking to that gives you uh, a greater chance for success. So, yep. you know, you're kind of talking about this. You're like, you rattle off Hornady Precision Hunter. And I thought, oh man, it'd be nice if a guy could actually get some of that stuff. Yeah. Not, not to go down this rabbit hole of this ammo crisis that is 2021, but let's just talk about that for a second. You told yeah, me that you guys are producing more ammo than ever before at a higher rate. Tell me what's going on, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And and I'm not lying about that. To, to be 100% transparent, our ammunition uh, volume, just the ammunition volume, we're up somewhere between 25 and 30% from last year. So we are making more than we ever have in 72 years of business. We have never made more than we are making right now. And on the other side of that, you make the product, you got to ship it. We're up and shipping 25 or 30%. So we've never shipped more product than we are right now. It's getting pretty wild. I think, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm going to say it anyway, that a lot of the quote, you know, the shortage is is buying habits or buying impulses, if you will, where if it's on the shelf and you buy it, everything that they let you, and then you come back day after day after day and you do all the same things, and then you multiply that by several million people, and then you multiply that because it's compounded because you have millions of new shooters, you know, it's tough. And it one way to look at it is if I buy a new gun, I don't really impact the ammo market very much because I have several other guns and I buy ammo for them. So if I have this new gun, and I buy ammo for it, that generally means I'm not buying as much ammo or shooting as much ammo for this other gun. But when you throw in the millions of new shooters that we have right now in the industry, just this last year, whatever it is, seven or 8 million, those are additive to the ammo purchasing market. And so, yeah, just a lot of buying habits that we've never seen. And, you know, we get a lot of ton of questions uh, and a lot of accusations uh, <laughs> if we're going to go down the rabbit hole about, right. you know, has our production been slowed down by the COVID-19? Uh, I will say Hornady has, they were very proactive about the COVID-19 and they did some things to our uh, manufacturing splits to minimize people's engagement with each other. But the way that they did that really didn't impact our production. And now that we're back to our normal shift schedules, you know, we're, we're up, we're making more ammo. We get a lot of questions about, you know, why are we selling it all to the government, which is obviously <laughs> not, true. not true. One, you know, the government's not throttling our production at all. We do have government contracts in the, in the tune of military and law enforcement. And I don't have the exact figures here for you, but that market is so grossly small in comparison to our commercial sales. We we do orders of magnitude more sales commercially than we do for military and law enforcement. Yeah, shipping's up. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I think uh, it goes down to this: people are hoarding it. Yeah, like any of the stores around here right now, you can only buy two boxes. Some you can only buy four, but I, I think guys are going on the shelves. They see three hundred PRC, their breath gets taken away, and they buy. 12 boxes. Yeah. And they spend a thousand bucks and they're, and they don't have any problem doing it. That brings up another point. I should mention that a lot of people I have talked to have thought that we've changed all of our machines over to running six, five, three, more two, two, three, and nine millimeter. Yeah. You name the cartridge, not the, case. the ones that are in super high demand, not the case. So a lot of our ammo machines are, have certain stroke length, you know, when it punch hits a pre, uh, a die, uh, or a bullet cedar presses a bullet in that length that it presses, uh, is kind of a fixed length. And so our ammo machines make certain families of cartridges for the most part. So you've got a machine that'll run the 30 out six family, 270, 280 Ackley, 280, 25 out six, et cetera. Uh, so we're not tooling those up to run a nine millimeter. So we run the full gamut of cartridges that we always have. Now we have limited our bullet selection options just to try to increase volume of 
you know, our most popular bullet weights for a particular cartridge, but uh, we're, we're making everything that we always have barring very few exceptions. Awesome. So yeah, I, d- I didn't want listeners to think, oh man, I'm not going to build the 300 PRC because I can't get any ammo. Listen guys, you can't get any ammo anywhere right now. So yeah, for any cartridge. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that hold you back from building or purchasing a factory 300 PRC because the crisis is what it is at this point. And like it always does with every president, it always catches back up, it seems like. And then all of a sudden there's ammo everywhere and it's all available. Yep. And to be truthful, Jason Hornady has said nobody wants to make and ship more stuff than than Jason Hornady, but nobody wants the market to stabilize more than him as well, because uh, it's an unhealthy way to continue to do business. Uh, it's not good for us as a manufacturer, certainly not good for the consumer. And once those prices are driven up, through supply and demand, they generally stay elevated for a longer period of time. And, and like I said, that's just not good for anybody. Absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. So back, back on the caliber comparisons. Yeah. So how does the 300 PRC compare with a 30 Nosler? With the 30 Nosler, again, just like 301 Mag, very, very comparable. So I mentioned the 300 PRC has got 97 grains of water capacity about, well, the 30 Nosler has, I think a hundred it'd be 99 depending on, on the case. So we're right in there with case capacity, the 300, uh, Norma, or excuse me, 300 PRC, 65,000 pounds for maximum pressure. That's the same with the Nosler, 65,000 pounds of maximum pressure. Um, so we're kind of tit for tat with the 30 Nosler in that regard, where the 30 Nosler falls short in comparison is that it's still restricted by that 3.340 overall length. It's got the same overall length as the 300 wind mag. So although it's got slightly more capacity, you're still shoving those bullets way down in the case. Uh, You know, that's 25,000 shorter overall length. So the case is shorter than the 300 PRC by 25 thousandths of an inch. Very, very small. But the overall length that you load the full cartridge to it's 360,000 shorter. Gotcha. So the 30 Nosler, again, shoves that bullet way in there. The other thing that the 30 Nosler doesn't have going for it from a factory rifle is the SAMI twist rate is 1 in 10. 1 in 10 So twist. it's still not optimal for those really low drag, sleek, sexy bullets that we all want to shoot now. Um, but uh, from a cartridge standpoint, the case, very similar in design, very similar in capacity, uh, similar in operating pressure. It just falls short with the overall length and the twist rate. Um, kind of goes back to what I said is a lot of these cartridges, the hand loader will fix all these problems and a custom gun build, builder will fix these problems. And the 300 PRC is just solving those small little things that were just not quite right. Gotcha. So uh, guys will argue though that the 30 Nosler is has more velocity and energy than anything else, but that's not the case, especially if you hand load the 300 PRC, correct? Well, and it's really not directly an apples to apples comparison. I don't have the ammo availability pulled up, but so Nosler is the only manufacturer of ammo that I'm aware of that makes 30 Nosler ammo. Likewise, we're the only ones that make 300 PRC besides some small boutique shops at this point. Right. But the the uh, 30 Nosler is only, the heavy screen bullet I think you can get might be a 210 grain bullet. Gotcha. Um, you know, maybe a 200, 210 grain bullet. Well, our lightest bullet is 212 grains. So you're not getting near the drag performance um, from an external ballistic standpoint from these lighter bullets. And you're not getting an apples to apples comparison of velocity and energy, uh, especially true, not just at the muzzle, but downrange. Cause again, our, our bullets that we're loading super, super low drag. Um, and, and they're going to hold on to their velocity longer, the, you know, the further they go down range where something like the, the 200, 210 grain class of bullets, they just don't have that ballistic efficiency to hold on to velocity for as far down range. So although they might have more velocity and energy right at the muzzle, that will bleed off eventually. Yeah, that's good to know. I mean, that's people need to hear that because yep. a, a lot of these people, especially first time custom gun purchasers, they're just going to lead on whatever, whatever their Smith is telling them slash knows. You know what I mean? Sure. Whatever their Smith wants to sell them is they're going to get sold unless they come into this purchasing process with this type of knowledge. Sure. Yeah, that's that's true. And and again, I, I've said it a few times, there's merit to all of these. So it's not like you're making a 
particularly bad choice yeah, with 100%, any of them. Hundred percent. But if you're just trying to get, if you want to hang your hat on, I'm spending money, and I know whether I hand load or buy factory ammo that I'm going to be able to shoot accurately what I want. And I'm going to hit stuff that's far away when if I'm banging steel or something. The, those little things really add up to make the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And for the regular consumer, the regular shooter, the 300 PRC just seems like a better option, especially if you're going the factory route, especially if you're going ammo availability. You know, Federal doesn't make 30 nozzler. Hornady doesn't make 30 nozzler yet, right? right? I mean, so, you know, if you're going about ammo availability, you know, give, I know we're in a crisis right now, but the 300 PRC seems like a really good option if you were to throw in the equation or algorithm, like, Hey, here's, here's what we're going to put in. We're going to put in performance, ammo availability. I, I think the 300 PRC is and performance is the winner. It, yeah, it really is. You know, especially uh, when you look at all of those little things and then barring this ammo shortage that's going on right now, typically our 300 PRC ammo is not difficult to find. We are in full support of that cartridge. You know, we make a steady, a steady supply of the Precision Hunter ELDX and also our ELD match offering. And like I said, I know it's an ammo shortage and buying crisis right now. But uh, before this kicked off, we we kept the market uh, stable with ammunition because we really want to support this cartridge because it is solving some small problems and it's solving them very well. And, uh, it really allows kind of quote unquote, the every man to, to have extreme range capability in a easier platform. Uh, you know, you don't have to have as much prior knowledge about gun building and ballistics to be able to get some good equipment. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to do another caliber comparison, 300 PRC versus 300 Norma. Yeah. The 300 Norma, that's, that's the one that we, sort of targeted, if you will, because with, we were working with the Department of Defense. Uh, that was, you know, what they were being fed a, a steady diet of. And that's, you know, that was a, a good cartridge. And it, and it certainly solved some problems where it was taking heavy bullets, high BC bullets, and it was really cruising those things out of the muzzle. So external ballistics on paper were really, really good. Um, it just had some things that didn't bode well for it in the long run. We talked about it earlier, but it's a Lapua-sized case head, so there was a limited number of actions available. Now, as far as the Department of Defense goes, they they can get anybody that they want that makes an action, you know, or a rifle for that matter. But for the general consumer, that is a there's a smaller number of people that you have to choose from that will, you know, you can build a gun on or buy a gun from. So that was one thing that that Norma didn't, it wasn't necessarily a shortcoming, but it kind of is in, in a way it yeah. bars entry to get that cartridge. So it's got way more capacity than a 300 PRC, not way more, but, but you know, a significant amount. It's got roughly 105 grains of water capacity gotcha. versus the 300 PRC's 97 grains. So uh, more capacity and the devil in the details here was that capacity. So I'll try to put this concisely and not get too in the weeds, but it's a big case. It's really large in diameter. And there are certain gunpowders that are in existence, right? That's okay. That's a, didn't need to, didn't need to state that, but just there are certain gunpowders and they have certain attributes. They have certain burn speeds. And if you want to fill that cartridge up to 95, 97% fill rate, 90, you know, maybe a hundred percent fill rate. So where it's really full, generally, you are going to be used ridiculously slow burning propellants, maybe even like 50 BMG type propellants, really slow burning. And sometimes you'll use a ball powder like uh, US 869, which is a really slow ball powder, but it fills the case up really full, which is great. And you can usually get some really screaming velocities. Mm-hmm. The trade off there is US 869 and similar powders are not temperature stable. So that is a problem. When you're looking at extreme range performance, you need your velocities out of the muzzle to be very consistent. But if they climb and, and drop with temperature, you know, a pretty large amount, that's that's a problem. It's going to affect so, you at long range for sure. It will definitely affect you at long range. So, you know, okay, let's fill it with maybe a, a, a temperature stable extruded powder. Well, there's only so many of those to choose from that you can put in this cartridge. And if you do that, you end up with a case fill that's not 95, not 98%. And when you have that really, really large 
case capacity with slow burning powder, like I, we talked about before, and you tip that muzzle forward or you're shooting uphill and now all the powder's backwards, that inconsistent case fill with slow burning powder creates muzzle velocity spreads that are going to affect your group size at long range. And that's that was one of the bigger problems with the 300 Norma. Now, again, can the hand loader fix this? You bet. The hand loader could probably do all kinds of cool things with powder and powder charge and bullets uh, to make this go away. But in in the quote unquote real world, if you're if you're trying to uh, compare apples to apples from a manufacturing standpoint, you just you don't have that availability. And so we actually loaded ammo for the 300 Norma mag um, with our 225 grain ELD match. And we used temperature stable extruded propellant. And to get that thing to operate within the SAMI pressure limit, which is only 61,000 pounds of pressure. Oh, it's only 61. Yeah, SAMI just approved the 300 Norma here and within the last 12, 12 months, and it's it's approved at 61,000 pounds of pressure. So to keep under the pressure limit. 6,100 or 61,000? 61,000 pounds. So the 300 PRC is 65,000 pounds gotcha. for maximum pressure. So to keep it there, we were launching our 225 ELD match at 2840 feet per second or 2850 feet per second at the muzzle. So in perspective, our 300 PRC is only 40 feet per second slower than that 300 Norma. So you get all that case capacity, but if you want to use the most optimal powder for a performance standpoint, that's not going to be super uh, position sensitive and it's going to be temperature stable. You're only gaining 40 or 50 feet per second at the muzzle. But what you traded was recoil because you're using 10 or 15 grains more powder in the Norma and you're trading what rifles you have available because of that Lapua size case head. Gotcha. So what you're saying in short is the 300 Norma isn't a great factory cartridge. I would, I would say that, you know, it, maybe if there was some more gun manufacturers that offered the Lapua length action and could, because the, the, uh, from the dimension standpoint, the chamber dimensions of the 300 Norma, they're not horrible. Um, so that's, that's great, but there's limited availability to, to buy a rifle. Right. Uh, it's definitely a custom rifle only for the most part for, for the general consumer. Right. Yeah, but you might be able to hot rod it and do some cool things if you uh, wanted to get into the hand loading stuff. Hundred percent. If you're if you're a, a custom guy and you're getting a custom gun and, and you're and you're a you know a really competent hand loader, by all means, that 300 Norma with that larger case capacity, um, you'll be able to really stand on the throttle and and get velocities with these super heavy low drag bullets that are unobtainable with most of these other cartridges. But again. That's a small segment of the market. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, that big rifle that I shot last year and killed everything with, that was a 300 Norma. And I was shooting yeah, the factory rifle. M's out of it, 225s. Yep, that ELD match. And that's, that's a great bullet. And again, we loaded that ammo and we did as best we could with the confines that we had to load that, that ammo. And it probably shot great for you. I didn't, oh, we awesome. never talked about the accuracy, but I'm guessing. Travis Stevens has probably never built an inaccurate rifle and uh, a great quality match ammo. Yeah, no, it, both of those are true. So, yeah, it was amazing. I killed that moose with it. I killed that big bull at, you know, 750 yards, and I killed a buck with it at, like, 890, and, man, it that thing shot lights out. I can't imagine what that would have done with a factory or a, a custom load. You know what I mean? But Oh, I, sure. People are like, why did you shoot the 300 normal? Why, why are you shooting that over 300 PRC? And my answer is just because I can. I, I just want to try it. Yeah, plenty of merit there. Yeah, and I, I just want to see how it was. I want to see how I liked it. But Travis actually built me a 300 PRC, which was finished after the Norma. So I'm actually going to move back over to the 300 PRC this year. I'm going to use the 6 Creed on some bear this spring. I'm going to use a 280 Ackley on a bear this spring. And then I'm going to run uh, 300 PRC larger, largely this fall. That's kind of my plan. Excellent. I think you'll, you'll, as you get to the range, you know, we're thawing out here in Nebraska. It's, it's, I would venture to say officially uh, spring type weather. Then I'm sure you're doing the same in Utah. As you get out and practice 300 PRC compared to 300 Norma, I think you'll, when you lay down behind the gun and shoot, you know, uh, at, at range, spotting impacts is easier because you're less recoil. You can 
quote unquote, drive that gun better. It's easier to manipulate because it's less recoil. And, and that's huge. And you, and you don't feel like, again, like you were in a car wreck. If you shoot two boxes, uh, you know, shoot 40 rounds and run it out to thousand yards or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I'll, I'll have to pay special attention to that and see if I'm able to hold in the scope longer and, and, uh, detect impact and, and just overall the shooting experience. Now this 300 pierce C is more of a, uh, midway rifle on the lighter mm-hmm. end of the midway. So it's not going to be as heavy as the normal. So I'll have to take that into consideration. I am going to suppress it. I'm going to put Omega on it from Silence Co. So I'm really looking forward to this one, man. It's going to be a killer. In fact, Nick, my buddy Nick and I, we're doing a DIY Alaska hunt in August. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So we're going to take it out to Alaska this year and, and run. we're both going to be running 300 PRCs from Travis on uh, this moose hunt. So we'll let you know how she does. Yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident uh, knowing your track record, you'll be able to lay some animals down with it. <laughs> if, if God willing, right? God willing. Yeah. If I, if I can locate them. I didn't mention uh, that isn't necessarily good or bad per se, but of all the cartridges that we talked about, the 300 Norma is going to be the most expensive to feed. Oh, man. Um, you know, when you, you look at ammo, uh, I'm not sure who all makes 300 norma mag ammunition but some of that is in excess of 150 175 200 a box of 20 insane so i mean when you're talking yeah three digits on on a box of ammunition that's not always the easiest pill to swallow that's you know sometimes that's it's a non-issue because it's a hunting rifle and you're not shooting a ton of ammo through it but i'm a big proponent of practice how you play and you need to get behind that gun and and be comfortable and confident in it so I know the 300 wind mag would be like the lowest cost of entry, um, which if someone was making a decision based on that alone, some good options in wind mag, um, 300 PRC from a price standpoint, it's going to be competitive with the wind mag in ammunition cost, in reloading component costs and in firearm costs. Um, so you really get all those benefits, really not a whole lot of, uh, cost problems with the 300 PRC and compared to the 300 wind mag, man, it just seems like an overall just a better option. I mean, I, I know you work for Hornady. I, I know that it was developed, 300 PC was developed by Hornady. When you run through this like this and break it down, like you said, we're, we're not trying to bash on any other cartridges. There's all great options here, but it just none of them quite stack up to the 300 PRC. Yep. Then that's really what we set out to do. You know, we're not... We're not marketing it as, as the best thing in the whole world because there's a lot of great cartridges, but... In the 30 cal magnum world, there there's nothing else that solves all the little problems that that the 300 PRC does. And uh, you know we're certainly proud of that. And uh, you know we want people to shoot it. So yeah, we do have a a dog in the fight there. Uh, as far as being you know kind of the name of the podcast here, overhyped or or what have you. It's it, it has certainly got a lot of press, and there's a lot of people talking about it. And you know we get a lot of comments about. You know, it's nothing more than a 300 wind mag or, or this, that, and the other thing. And, and by and large, they're, they're wrong because it's, it, it's just a little bit different. And those little differences do make a difference. And that's, what, that's why they're differences because they're different. And uh, those little things, you know, in the 21st century, that's what this cartridge was designed for. We've learned a lot of things in cartridge development and the I've said it before, the fastest trip down the drag strip, that's not how you win the extreme long range race. That's not how you put targets on steel or on an animal at an extended range is, is hot, nasty speed. That's just not the right way to do it because you sacrifice some other things. And the 300 PRC's approach is proper design. Let the efficiency of the bullet do the work, get it out of the muzzle consistently, make it a shootable platform, uh, and, you know, I think history will speak for itself uh, when we fast forward and see that the 300 PRC was was certainly a great innovation and is here to stay. Absolutely, and a c- couple of things that stood out to me was uh, this: this a lot of guys like I don't when people are I get obviously I get the custom rifle questions and calibers all the time because I I built so many with Travis, right? So I'm definitely sure. not the most knowledgeable guy in the room, but I I've used a lot of these calibers in real life experience because I, I get to do what I get to do. And I have great companies like Hornady that support me and Travis and proof and all these other companies. So I get, I get to go out and, and try this stuff on big game. Um, obviously you guys like you can speak to the, to the tech better 
And but I will say this: you don't hear very often that a cartridge was optimized for recoil. And that one of the first questions I get from guys is like, I don't want a 300 PC because I don't want my shoulder blown off. I'm like, what? Wait, what? Blow your shoulder off? This ain't your grandpa's four pound 30 out six. Yeah. You, you know, and, and guys just don't get that. They hear these big numbers and they're just like, I, my uncle had a 300 wind mag and he hated shooting that thing. I'm like, guys, can you subscribe to the podcast, please? <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said in just gun building. Cause in that situation, yeah, his, uh, his old 300 wind mag was probably in a wood stock with a really hard plastic or metal butt plate. And it probably weighed, you know, seven pounds with a little sporter barrel. And, you know, if you put a 300 PRC in that platform, it's going to kick like a mule. You put anything in that platform and it, right. and it hurts. But uh, yeah, in the 21st century of, of gun builders and factory guns, um, the, the stock design, the way that they've uh, incorporated certain things to help absorb that recoil and put it in a straight line with your body. Yeah. There's a lot to be said there. And then compared to the bigger cartridges, mainly the Brenner Norma, the 328 Lapua. Yeah. The, you know, the, that, that equation is simple. There's less powder and the bullets going just a little bit slower and there is going to be less recoil. Right. Absolutely. Now, um, we've kind of touched on this a little bit and we're, we're just over an hour here and we're kind of getting on the tail end of this podcast, but we've talked about how it's going to do on big game. It's going to be great for all types of big game, mule deer, elk, moose, bear, brown bear. I mean, I, I I wouldn't even be scared of shooting at a smaller game, whitetail antelope. And but, but here's why. I mean, I, I killed my antelope at 440 this year with a 300 Norma and people are like, Oh my gosh, that's overkill. I'm like, define overkill i mean it yeah you definitely don't need that big but it didn't put some giant hole in the animal and rip the animal in two because you got to make sure that you have a bullet that does its job and you're you're gonna do fine these bullets aren't developed to to explode and blow something in half this isn't a bomb right yeah exactly and our precision hunter ammo with that 212 eldx yeah controlled expansion bullet just you know we talked about that on our uh, first podcast series and from it's this cartridge has probably killed more deer than anything because that's you know there's just more deer killed every year than just, i think anything else so right. uh yeah if if you're going to build a gun and you it's that's going to be your hunting rifle all range all game you know wherever you go that's it and you, and you pick to build the 300 prc just like you said, it's not like it's shooting bombs or something. You, you want to go shoot an antelope? That ELDX is going to perform it's fantastic on antelope. Yeah, it's going to do great it, on deer, yep. mule deer, elk. I mean, you, you name it. Uh, that we've taken a ton of African plains animals. Um, you know, like elands, for example, this big sturdy animal, and that's a big heavy thirty cal bullet, and it's super efficient. And it's designed to perform at the uh, at, at just about any range. I mean, this thing's got enough velocity at a thousand yards to expand and dispatch just about anything you'd ever want to shoot. And that's at sea level. Right. So, you know, the higher you go in elevation, the further that bullet's going to carry. Yeah. It's, it's, is it quote unquote overkill for an antelope? Maybe, but you know, how dead is too dead. And if you were (laughs) building, if you were building one rifle to, to really be your, your hunting rifle and you were going to hunt antelope, elk, and grizzly bear, caribou, and everything in between, and you picked a 300 PRC, it would not be a bad choice. Yeah, I don't know how you could pick a better choice. I mean, there's there's good choices, right? I mean, there's tried and true, seven mag, six five PRC, and a lot of these different things. But yeah, I don't, I just don't know how you pick a better choice. Than yeah, a it really. PRC. It does everything that the the small calibers do. Obviously, on game, you know, you're going to shoot deer with it and whatever, and it's going to do a lot of things that bigger calibers do as well so it really is a blend of all these worlds and it's yeah like i we've been saying it's shootable you can practice with it it's not two hundred dollars a box for for ammunition and uh yeah all those things lend itself to a really well balanced big game cartridge you know if you went with something smaller like a 6.5 prc or 6.5 creedmoor you might need another rifle if you wanted to go kill an elk or something and you end up with a cross canyon shot at 700 yards, probably not optimal, but for a 300 PRC, it's got all the velocity, all the energy, all the ballistics you need to do it. 
Uh, and likewise, you can confidently take anything you want at any range. Right. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal caliber. I, 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 I look forward to shooting it more this year. In fact, when it first came out, let's see, two years ago, I used it on Axis deer in Hawaii and I shot the match bullets with it. Um, but it did a phenomenal job and I had more rifles come since and I, I used some other things, but I'm going back, I'm going back to it for a full season and I'm going to test it on elk, deer, uh, moose, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited for it. It should be, should be a, a fun year for you and a good year for the, the 300 PRC. And yeah, hopefully you can make some time, get out there and bang some steel and, and find, find an area where you can really stretch the legs on this thing. Cause you know, when you start getting close to and past that one mile mark on a target, it's really mind blowing that it, you can have consistent performance at those ranges. Absolutely. Well, man, I appreciate you joining us, Seth, the whiz kid. Hornady, congrats on your new position. Um, you're always Appreciate really it. good at breaking it down in layman's terms so that folks can understand comparisons and analysis of these calibers and, and, and helping folks understand you're really good at this. So appreciate you joining here. Um, anything in summary on the 300 PRC that you want to add? No, I think uh, you kind of mentioned it. You know, if, if people are thinking about building a rifle or, or buying a rifle um, or, yeah, you know, going to the store and how do I pick a Magnum and, and what do I want to do? Put the 300 PRC uh, in your thought process, and uh, you know if you've got questions, give us a call. We're, we've got a, a team upstairs. Everybody up there hunts, shoots, reloads. Uh, give us a call. We would be glad to talk you through some things and and help you pick the right cartridge. But I really think for a, a large group of uh, hunters and shooters, uh, I think the 300 PRC is a fantastic option. And uh, yeah, we're, we're we're really proud of this one. Uh, absolutely 300 prc guys it's definitely legit i imagine it's going to be a main staple in the gun world in, in the match world in the hunting world for another 75 to 100 years so you might as well jump on the 300 prc wagon now because you're just going to get you're going to get more performance so be sure to subscribe to this podcast rate it review it spotify itunes we appreciate you joining us here seth thanks again and we'll catch you on the next one